Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion that from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk about this week's news and politics. So first things. Yeah. I hate fireworks. I uh, hate them yes. so much. We like okay, so what's the date now? Is it the twelfth? It is the twelfth day, yeah. Okay, so since just bef- so there was Diwali. Mm-hmm. Then Halloween, which is obviously a time for explosions. And then we had the build-up to the... You boot- have to explode the ghouls. Yeah, then we had the build-up to that disgusting boot-licking festival <laughs> of Bonfire Night. And that was a lot more explosions. And then we had some more explosions until there were loads last night as well. And my dog has not adapted well to fireworks this year. And I have spent the entire time hugging him. Oh. I sent you that picture, didn't I? We're like, the only place he could calm down was in the bathroom. There's me squished into a corner in the bathroom holding him. <laughs> Just sat there. I sat there on TikTok for an hour. Yeah, but that was personal time. Dog wasn't even there. <laughs> Just, oh. <laughs> but, you know, more nuanced takes on imperialism on TikTok than you'll find amongst the British journalist class, to be honest. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's why we didn't have a podcast because I don't think you'd like to listen to just me just holding the dog, just saying it's okay, it's okay, you're a good boy. <laughs> Fucking fireworks, I hate them. Yeah, but yeah, we're back. We're back. The election is in full swing. <sighs> uh, but before we start, uh, we're not going to talk too much about Tory and Labour's this week, but yeah, we'll a big <laughs> shout out to a uh, bon voyage to my man Tom Watson. Yeah, gone to spend more time with his destiny. Yeah, and I mean, of course, the question everyone's asking this week Mm -hmm. is to what extent is Labour ready for power? You know, do they um, showcase a kind of diversity of views Mm -hmm. amongst them? And I think with Tom Watson's resignation, we can say a resounding no as we continue our search for the first game of Prime Minister. Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, so... hmm. Yeah, Tom Watson... Where is he going to come from? I mean, well, where are they going to come from? Not going to come from the Tories... Well, maybe they will come for the Tories, but they're, they're shameful games that they play. They play things like, you know, Hearts of Iron. That's all grand um, scratch strategy yeah, games. Crusader Kings, but just constantly incesting. Just, just <laughs> constantly, even when it's like, this is not going to work, but it's like, it's the only thing that they like doing on that. Um, I could see, like, I bet you Corbyn... Backgammon. Hit... Backgammon simulators, guarantee it. No, like... Mahjong. He's got a thousand Mahjong No, he used to play Miss Pac-Man years ago. Yeah. Can okay. you see him playing Ms. Pac-Man? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Or Pinball Machine. <laughs> yeah. Is that, are you much of a gamer, Mr. Corbyn? <laughs> well, I did enjoy the Black Knight. <laughs> or like a... Ghostbusters. Or like Skittles with the ball. <laughs> like something like that. I could see him playing something like that. Um, are we leaning too heavily, perhaps, into the fact that he's old? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, he, 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 I, think he was, I think he was always old. Like, I think when he was 20... He gave off the impression that that's the kind of like he did old bad stuff. I mean, my man went fucking around um, South America mm. when he was when he was younger. He's like, there's yeah, there's two or three years there. Yeah, so does my dad. My dad's old as hell. You know, I met the original creator of Mario Brothers, not <laughs> not the Japanese one, the actual one that came from Mexico. <laughs> but um, I'm trying to think of a game Joe Swinson would play. Like, it would be something nasty. It would be so like postal. Oh well, she'd say like Nintendogs. Yeah, and insist. But it would, but it would actually be there'd be a secret thing that she's seen her kids playing like Fortnite, hmm. and is really. Oh, so she's got a baby, so I suppose uh, she's got a very, very young child. Yeah, they're too young to be playing uh, Fortnite. Too young she to shouldn't be, be making them play anything. Fortnite. Yeah, she makes them play Fortnite, and yeah. she's angry that there's no blood option. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I could see that she's got like um like in a secret file on her computer, she's got an old illegal copy of Postal. <laughs> yeah. That she just plays because she just loves pushing the gun into the cat. <laughs> I could see her doing that. Yeah. I definitely could see her doing that. She just she says she plays it for the quality of the writing. <laughs> she's the one who keeps sending you uh, like N word filled expletive messages <laughs> whenever you beat them in a fighting game. Definitely. Or definitely. in Dark Souls. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Like, it's been a long time since I've had that kind of abuse in, in, in a game. Like, fighting games, I get a lot of, like, it's quite satisfying. Some like, voice like, messages. It's weird, like, I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know if you can do voice messages. You must be able to do voice messages on PS4, but I used to get a lot more on 360 yeah. of just, like, a really breathy, screaming child having a go at me. And it's like, well, you know, this is what happens when you choose to do something with your life, teenager, rather than sit around getting good at games like me. <laughs> but yeah, ideally we want a, a first prime minister to be someone who's like, who'd come out and say like, I've, I've got, I don't want a prime minister who'd come out and say, oh yeah, I played Koji Man's stupid fucking delivery game. I wanted to come out and complain that there isn't a god hand too. <laughs> but I don't think we're going to get that. <laughs> Labour Party's changed too much. <laughs> it's gone changed away from, from its, its, traditional, traditional, its traditional roots. Yeah, it's why I'm, I'm politically homeless. <laughs> Where is my god hand playing... <laughs> It's moved from Molyneux to, yeah, somebody complaining about no god hand too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this week we're going to talk about the two minor parties. Well, <laughs> two, one, of, two of the minor parties. We'll one, go into some which more. It was going to be the two minor parties last week when they seemed roughly equitable and it had this beautiful symmetry of the fact that when if we're not dealing with Labour and the Tories, the two other parties mm. represent the ideological extremes around Brexit. Mm-hmm. But of course... One seems to think they're going to win it all, <laughs> and one seems to have dropped out in the last couple well, of days. So this is now seeming slightly unbalanced. It was quite upsetting, because last week, I, my prediction about the Brexit party was the reasons for running yeah. is um, Nigel Farage and Dominic Cummings hate each other. They hate each other a lot. Yeah, sure. Like Nigel Farage is literally everything that Dominic Cummings hates about politics. Mm-hmm. Dominic Cummings is an obnoxious monster that no one can get on with. Yeah, And... I think that Nigel Farage asked for something, was told to fuck off, and said, "Fine, I'll run. I'll run in every seat." And then he did that like straight away without really thinking. Mm. And then my prediction last week was that he was going to give up after a week when it fucking dawned on him what he was doing and that he was going to make it <laughs> so Labour might win. Um, and then he did that like a coward, but not before over three thousand people paid a hundred pounds to be considered to be candidates, and he <laughs> took all that money. And he's not giving it back. It's pretty great. But yeah, so he's dropped out of contesting conservative seats that they've already got, but he's still they're still contesting... They're not going to contest... Um, they're contesting seats that Labour have. Yeah, they're not going to contest any seats that the Conservatives won in 2017, yeah. but they are going to stand in marginal. So it might yeah. not be... It won't be quite as a, a dramatic effect, mm. but it will, it will still have some effect. Um... Yeah, there, there was already, even before they said, when they were boasting about the fact that they were going to stand 600 candidates, there were already like questions around how many they would actually be able to field. He Is supposedly, it? well no, he supposedly released a list of all the candidates that were going to um, stand. That list didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Well, of course it wasn't. Um, and they already had like like 10%, I think it was like 20 MPs or something, uh, or 20 PPCs, had already said, had already had to drop out. Yeah. Before they were, um, they one were of the things I did like is like, okay, so haven't been sleeping because mm. of scared dog. Because also with fireworks, who sets off fireworks at three in the morning on a road? 
That's a nice surprise. And then, cool you know, guy. Yeah, cool guys. So, you know, so set her up, set her up and listening to a lot of fucking LBC. Because what else am I going to listen to in the bedroom? I'm not going to listen to podcasts. It's stupid. Um, <laughs> but more, it's the devil's medium. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I'm listening to LBC. And you, so you hear a lot of things. And like a lot of it was kind of depressing. You get to see when you embed yourself. Like, I don't recommend ever doing this. But say you embed yourself hypothetically in maybe three days of not sleeping and listening to LBC constantly, you start to see patterns emerging. <laughs> For example, the the sudden shift to to complaining about Labour to every single presenter for about fifteen hours, um, they did at least one hour each person on why both parties were bad and maybe people shouldn't vote this time. Yeah. So they're already trying to push that, which is kind of... The, the mess and chaos thing, yeah. Yeah, so they're already pushing that, which is... I think they're pushing that a lot earlier than last time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did get to hear Nigel Farage... Like, straight after Nigel Farage said, like, I oh, was standing down in all these seats, hearing Brexit, Brexit party people phoning up mm-hmm. and being furious. Yeah. And actually hearing people having the wall fall from their eyes and, like, say... Like old, like very old people, all boomers, saying mm. things like, um, I trusted Nigel Farage. I didn't think he was like left or right, but this obviously <laughs> just shows him to be a Tory. And like, Mark. I know it's not surprised. Yeah, they are all rubes. But um, it's kind of interesting that he's managed to dispel his own magic. There's a, there's a weird. Uh, among, like, yeah, like, no, like, I know what you mean. You know, yeah. there are people who still say things like, oh, you know, the, the Nigel Farage isn't right or left, even though he really Because, like, the sheen, the sheen came off him right after the vote because it was the thing mm. that he was supposed to achieve. Mm-hmm. However, what happened with the kind of Brexit leave side mm-hmm. was that the ones who got what they wanted stayed with what they wanted and actually started to kind of adhere themselves to the actual process mm-hmm. of. Um, what Brexit meant, mm. right? And then they found it was a horrible mess, which is where you get like soft Tory mm. uh, leavers who might think about voting Lib Dem mm. now, right? The ones who actually remained and who believed in, uh, I don't know what how to put it, but how to be- like believed in Nigel Farage as a figure, for them, betrayal is the only like psychologically sound outcome for them. Have you seen the they pictures ex- that have been posted? They're of like expecting, Nigel Farage yeah. with traitor in Because of course, it. because somebody has to betray, betray them. Yeah. It's a, a, an ideologically um, apocalyptic project. Mm-hmm. There's all the war uh, metaphors isn't just because they're old or stupid, because old people would have to be ancient mm-hmm. in order to have war as a particular like trope that they invoke in their politics Mm. like personal experience of war and so what they need is for the like Britain to be entirely remade as it was in the war Mm. everything to be broken down and built back up again in whatever image they see fit Mm. and of course that's not going to happen so they have to be they have to have their betrayal narrative they have to be feel betrayed it was kind of out of nowhere that it would be Nigel Farage but it was pretty good bet mm-hmm. <laughs> that he would be the one to falter because like he's not going to take charge of anything mm-hmm. he's now only going to act as a spoiler mm-hmm. and what's more it's a much more difficult position he's in now before the referendum when he was with uh when he was with UKIP because he wasn't with UKIP at the last election right was he I can't remember when the Brexit I can't, party. I can't no, remember the Brexit party were the last Brexit European party ha- hadn't formed yet had yeah, they no, he they, was were, with they were in the European elections yeah but I mean the last general election in 2017 he was with UKIP so. um, he might have been with UKIP but I don't know how hard he was campaigning because yeah. their job 
was done and Brexit was still reasonably new, still within maybe about a year. Yeah. Um, it's a much more difficult um, like argument now, right? Yeah. So the argument he can make now, right, if they were standing against those people, was Boris's Brexit isn't a real Brexit. Mm-hmm. It's not what we voted for, right? He's arguing... Rather than arguing to say, I am the absolute opposite from this thing, he's saying, I agree with this thing, but I disagree with it by degree. Well, yeah, he said, like, he's... Because I think it was um, so... I can't remember what he... It's like, yes, did, he, did he pull out yesterday? It was yesterday he pulled out. It was yesterday that he so announced the day before, that they The day before, he said that this isn't Brexit. This is a disgusting betrayal, and this isn't Brexit, and that's why the Brexit party are running against him. Yeah. Then literally the next day, he said that I've been promised that it's going to be slightly changed. Yeah, exactly. And it's not, again, it's not. But he's got that way out because actually it's, it. I don't know how much of a, a rhetorical position like the Brexit party actually have. It's very easy to say, for, for whatever reason, it was very easy to cast um, May as a betrayer because internally, like, Farage has always been just lurking on the fringes of the Tory party, waiting there as a trap to eat up any of the mm. like really right-wing MPs that the Tories lose. Now, May set herself up as champion of the centre-right. She was going to pursue Brexit at all costs, mm. but she was still aligned with the concerns and the the like red lines of the centre-right. Yeah. And her enemies were the hard-right. They were the ones who would not compromise. She clashed with the ERG and all of that. Now, I don't know whether the ERG has somehow softened or whether there's some kind of like cultural affinity with Boris in the way that he's presented himself. But now, it's the opposite. Boris has aligned himself with the hard right, the hard levers, mm-hmm. and his enemy is the centre-right who wants to mitigate Brexit. You say that, but... I even li- though it's the same deal. You say that. I literally saw him on a party political broadcast today refer to him as a compassionate one-nation Tory, and he also said he likes Marmite and the Rolling Stones. <laughs> oh yeah, was that the one where he says, "Who do I listen to? I listen to the Clash and uh, the Rolling the Stones. Rolling Stones, but mostly today the Rolling Stones." No, I 100 percent believe he listens to the Rolling Stones. I think he um, has listened. The Clash, nah, no. He listen. He listens to them. Nothing penetrates. Nothing goes. Nothing goes through. No, he just listens to a mixture of Screwdriver and Wagner <laughs> blended together. <laughs> Call it double listening. <laughs> yeah, because he's a smart man. <laughs> Smart man. He has two headphones on his head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Johnson's Johnson's purged the Conservative Party of its most prominent centre right people who who won't vote for the deal, right? Mm-hmm. So he's positioned himself as the Leave Saviour. Can't have two Leave Saviours. I think that's also mm-hmm. probably a reason why Farage clashes with Dominic Cummings. You can't both be outsiders, mm-hmm. not at the same time. You can't both have that mantle. Yeah, but they've hated each other. Around for like the, yeah, no, I mean, there's a personal animus. Actually, I think it's talking inst- with those two, it is 100% a personal thing. That's why he came out with such a stupid thing of, I'm running in 600 seats, and then within a week gave up on it. <laughs> because there was, there was no proper um, strategy behind it. It was proper knee jerk, I hate you. Yeah, but he can't, and he can't make that. When faced with Dominic Cummings, who's kind of saying full Brexit, they've adopted the full Brexit thing. Again, the difficult thing is this has almost no bearing in reality with oh, the no. actual deal as it exists, which yeah. is May's deal with, um, like, with, Nor- with in fact, with the Northern Ireland um, backstop as 
in a worse position yeah. well, no, if fact, you're a unionist. Well, I saw Boris in that video when he was drunk. It, it means that Northern Ireland get the best decision. The best stuff. <laughs> It? But like, if you think about like the positioning and the optics of things, yeah. just saying "get Brexit done," that's Johnson's yeah, yeah. phrase now. Yeah. Whereas, like Nigel Farage, in response to that that the the speech that he made when he was Johnson made when he was um, announcing the election, he said like, um, "Now that is a very tempting slogan on a public who, after three and a half years of this process, process have in many cases just about had enough. But the problem is, it doesn't get Brexit done. All it does is take us into another three years of agonising negotiations." He knows that mm-hmm. that's what's happening anyway, that it cannot go any other way. But he's painted himself into a corner. Either like he can't have the hard Brexit that he wants. Mm-hmm. So of course he's gonna step down. You know? Mm-hmm. Like most of the most Brexit supporters like do not care whether it makes their personal circumstances worse. No, they don't. Because they do have no political imagination outside of this one particular media foisted ideological project and it's ideological because it's only in their heads there's no clear like grasp of what it actually is it's not even in their minds probably not even bound to a particularly thorough examination of like a free market project Mm. it's national renewal and it's it's soul stuff it's guts stuff coded racially and economically certainly but without any of those things spelled out and like this is the time now when you actually have to get to the Mm. the maths I can see if if the Conservatives win the election, then Farage is going to be in the House of Lords before <clears throat> before the end of next year. Maybe one hundred percent. When we were going to cover the uh, the Brexit Party more in depth as an actual electoral force rather than whatever it's going to be now, there was a couple of um, candidates' backgrounds um, that I thought were really funny, and I just want to read out this one. Okay. Okay. Is this one of the? But there was a bunch of fake ones as well. There were, yes. No, but no. It's really hard to tell the difference because they are ludicrous creatures. Yeah, and it, there was going to be some kind of reckoning because I can't like there was I was going to try and like work out how different the Brexit Party is from mm. UKIP because obviously UKIP caught up all the kind of weird. Um, it's age of consensus. Re- revanchist. That's literally the difference. Yeah, the, like the libertarian strains of. Well, of no, Brexit. Brexit Party have got more. You know what I mean? I've got more libertarianism than the UK. They've got more sophisticated libertarianism, but they've also got a bunch of like they've they've collected just as many cranks. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, and one particularly who's actually forced to stand down. Um, she was going to be the PPC for Batley and Spen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was confirmed as That's not the a real place. Apparently so. Sorry to all of our Batley and Spen listeners. It's, it's not going to. It wouldn't surprise me if it did come out that actually there are only a hundred MPs and the rest are all <laughs> yeah. made up places. <laughs> it really wouldn't, to be honest. Um, Jill Hughes was confirmed as the PPC in Batley and Spen constituency in October. However, after Hope Not Hate looked into Brexit Party candidates' backgrounds, the campaign group revealed that the ex-banker mm-hmm. had a number of unusual beliefs. Uh, in comments posted on social media in 2017, Hughes allegedly said, I have just come to truly realise that my purpose is to raise consciousness here on Earth. Awesome. I originated from Sirius. Awesome. Hell yes. Yes, that sounds good. I looked more into her. She has a self-published book. Amazing. Um, so yeah, the book is called yeah, Spirit of Prophecy. And Amazing. here's the blurb on, on Amazon. Okay. A gifted psychic but an emotional wreck 
Rosetta Barrett Amazing. <laughs> is much more than a simple detective seconded to a sleepy rural English constabulary. She's part of the International Psychic CID and a high-ranking member of EPIS, Elite Paranormal Intelligence Services, awesome. a super-secret intergovernmental global organisation based underground in Dulce, USA. EPIS is tasked with dealing with the new realities of the 21st century, the rise of AI and ensuring robotic deep learning doesn't lead to humanity's destruction. Alien visitation and cracking their telepathic communication codes are also part of the remit, plus expanding psychic powers, including prophecy, in order to automate crime prediction and prevention. When Juliette Germain's Olympic champion horse Gothic and his teenage stable hand rider are callously murdered in what appears to be a terrorist-inspired road rage incident... <laughs> The police are baffled. Even Epis are behind the curve, as this doesn't fit any MO they've ever come across before. Plus, with the arrival of some rogue ETs back at the Dulce HQ, the time portal is dangerously malfunctioning. This sounds amazing. <laughs> so Coming next year to Netflix. So Barrett will have to rely on an old-fashioned door-to-door detective work to try and unravel the cause and effect buried way back in the past. Linear time is running down. Meanwhile, can they stop the incidents from speeding up and the death count inexorably rising? The murder investigation takes first Rosetta and then Juliet to Southern Ireland, where they both fall for the devilishly handsome Irish traveller horse dealer Thomas Rafferty. <laughs> Does Tommy know more about the road rage deaths? Oh, I didn't even. I've, I'm just reading this. I read that yeah. 20 seconds ago and I'd forgotten about the road rage terrorist incident. <laughs> Does Tommy know more about the road rage deaths than he's letting on? And ultimately, will he betray his soulmate, Juliet, to save his clan? <laughs> his clan! <clears throat> With Barrett's ex-husband, a power-obsessed foreign office diplomat to Russia, being a prime suspect, and Jermaine not taking the karmic connection seriously, Rosetta is under intense pressure. She knows only where Odu too well that wrongs not atoned equals hashtag hit dash repeat. <laughs> For all her experience and gifts, has Detective Barrett more than met her match? Is she simply in way too deep this time with no chance of escape? That, sounds, that rules. I'm going to have to read that. That sounds brilliant. That sounds awesome. With star quality like that, how could the Brexit Party not find 600 amazing self-published authors to stand? I'd vote for every single one. <laughs> Do you know that my dad wrote a porno? Yeah. Guy, I bet you he's at least... Brexit party adjacent. Now, that's interesting. This shadows the development of the Alan Partridge character. Alan Partridge in 1997, Brexit party voter. Mm. Alan Partridge in 2017, 2019. He's still flying the flag for Cuckdick. He's a Lib Dem. No, he's still flying the flag for Cuckdick. Uh, yeah, he probably he's had out a, there now he campaigning had a, for Gates. He had a wobble for Cuckdick. No, he's still with them. But um, he'll never now, give up. He'll, on them. he'll vote Lib Dem. No, but he no he well okay yeah he probably yeah. will but he has cocktail t-shirts. Yes, he bought a load of cocktail merchandise. So many, yeah, yeah, definitely. so much cocktail merchandise. <laughs> and with that, let's talk about the Lib Dems. <laughs> oh, they're so good. <laughs> Did I you love hear? Them. I'm so glad because as a politically homeless man, as I said, because no one is supporting Godhand, um, <laughs> and its sequel that's going to be back any day now. We'll come out of the Dreamcast too. I know. It yeah. Will. Um, that maybe, you know, I'm politically homeless, maybe I'll vote for the Lib Dems. They seem like they're good. They seem like they're sensible middle ground. Well, there's, I mean, they started off with some big news um, from from their kind of campaign launch. Mm-hmm. 
Politics is no longer about left or right. It's about open or closed, liberal, authoritarian, millions it's about of voters. how many voters. squirrels you can kill. Millions of voters have that choice in their hands in their election. Don't let anyone tell you what has to happen. Change is possible. I swear to God, I have heard that so many times. Like if they were smart, they would trademark politics is no longer about left or right. Mm-hmm. Someone would have like trademarked that, like John Reed or like an yeah. old Blairite or something. Yeah. would have done that. The Koch brothers probably have. They <laughs> yeah. make so much. That's where they make most of their money from now. <laughs> yeah. Every time, a, every time a journalist says that politics, the politics is, is no longer about left or right, yeah. they get like six dollars or something. Yeah, I did see that. You know, Joe Swinson's battle bus. Um, is like it has the Liberal Democrats, but it has Joe Swinson's Liberal Democrats because she's an egotist. She's such a on, magnetic character. She's an egotist on the level of Hideo Kojima because it's <laughs> Lib Dem. It's like Joe Swinson prevents presents the Liberal Democrats a Joe Swinson production <laughs> featuring Joe Swinson. She's so, just bringing left and right together. Isn't that just the Joe Swinson way? So they are going hard. Yeah, they uh, are. In what particular direction? Is not entirely... Not forwards, uh, not backwards, <laughs> not leftwards, not rightwards, twirling. Twirling ever towards freedom. Mm. Um, the first thing that uh, that people got... Uh, the first contact of this election has been their misleading pamphlets. Mm-hmm. Lie, lying polls. Lying Joe Swinson. And lying quotes. Lying quotes, yes. Yeah, like there was, I think there was a quote that was attributed to The Guardian of like, the Lib Dems are a party on the grow. And um, when brought up when this was like, brought up in an interview it was like but that was a quote in the guardian that was attributed to joe swinson yes and it's like yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, i think that was luciana Berger saying like yeah no it's fine yeah they were saying yes but it was an and the the extent to which they've had to defend this as well so yeah. like there's a couple of there's a couple of really outstanding ones okay You've probably seen most of this already but it's worth recapping it yep so there was a pamphlet put out in somerset mm-hmm. um saying uh the conservatives are polling 38 percent in northeast Somerset, the Liberal Democrats are on thirty-two percent, and Labour are on eight percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, in very small writing, the justification for this figure was as follows: the actual question was, imagine that the result in your constituency was expected to be very close between the Conservative candidate and the Lib Dem candidate, and none of the other parties were competitive. Emphasis added on that phrase. In this scenario, which party would you vote for? <laughs> This was in um, Jacob Rees-Mogg's uh, constituency as well. Yeah. You're like, on a trolley bus, and you've got, a, a, you've got two sets of tracks, and one set of tracks is a bunch of people tied to the tracks. All Labour voters. You could either, <laughs> or you could turn the thing to go on the other set of tracks and only kill one person, or you could vote Lib Dem and serve everybody. How would you vote? Yeah. And it turns out that even then they wouldn't vote Lib Dem. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it? It was like that. It was like even with that fucking loaded thing, it was still that the Lib Dems would come second. Like the joke, the joke was as well. An actual salvation poll mm. in that area conducted with a just straight who would you vote for in a general election. Um, the Lib Dems were at twenty eight percent behind the Conservatives on forty four percent, and Labour were third on fourteen. Not that much different. Yeah, because it's a Tory well, they seat. Just can't help but lie. But it's they like, love lying. Why did you even bother? Yeah, the South West has always been pretty Lib Dem. Yeah, which is it can to be. Do with, you yeah, know, it can be. It's yeah. the lead in the water. Yeah. <laughs> um, just isolating the entirety of the UK from this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do have led in the water. I told this before. They have led in the water. My mad old granddad. He insisted <laughs> that they they are violent. Was that your Welsh granddad? No, this is the English one. That they, uh, are, that they are mad and aggressive because of the lead in their water. <laughs> um, the other one has the other uh, main thing has been uh, tactical voting. Mm-hmm. 
So, Best for Britain, a Remain uh, pressure group, set up getvoting.org, a website to advise you on how on, to advise a Remainer how to tactically vote mm-hmm. for um, Remain candidates. A useful tool if you don't understand how the world works. Um, and it was coming up with very odd numbers, mm-hmm. like arguing that you should vote Lib Dem even in constituencies with Remain Labour um, PPCs or MPs. Yeah. Or where the Lib Dems were polling at like 4% and Labour were maybe 800 votes behind the Conservatives. Yeah. A lot of Lib Dem uh, like, uh, recommendations. Yeah. Um, when questioned on this, um, they got a whole article in The Guardian, which you do. Yeah. Uh, it said, The BBC knows it's doing something right when both Brexiters and Remainers shout bias during the news. The stakes are similar when producing ta- a tactical voting tool in a general election. What? Hopes and fears are running high among the different tribes, and for them, any suggestion that another party might hold the key anywhere to a better outcome is sacrilege. Do you ever think that, like, given... English generally, British generally, and liberalism in particular, their kind of history with colonialism and talking about things like political maturity, civilizational maturity, that maybe grading political maturity according to, and the, a bit, the lowest level of political maturity is tribal, hmm. maybe says a bit more about them than they would like to admit. I think so, yes. <laughs> Um, there was also a number of just basic lies from PPCs. Yeah. One was um, Sue Wixley in Putney, okay. the PPC for Lib Dem PPC for Putney. She claimed that she uh, won the Nobel Peace Prize for uh, the uh, campaign against landmines. Okay, it was untrue. She on her flyer she says she led the campaign to ban landmines in South Africa and was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Not only did she not win the prize, yeah. the campaign to ban landmines did not win the prize. It shared it with another winner. Right? Okay. Um, the she was part of the campaign to ban landmines, but she helped set up one small branch of it. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, come on, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, they've been the Lib Dems have been really vicious against all aspects of Labour. Mm-hmm. Probably far more than Tory, who I assume they think are out of reach. Anyway, they mm-hmm. they're not. They are attacking. Well, they're not going to attack Tories because like, most of their fucking MPs are Tories <laughs> or were Tories up until like two weeks ago. Um, but their line has been basically uh, politics has changed. Mm-hmm. The last national elections, which were the EU elections, the Lib Dems did really well, and that. This means that they are in pole position to win the general election. It's why UKIP were um, were in charge of the British government for so long. Yeah, it's true because it always always transfers over. And like their their relationship with truth in this election so far has been really really weird for what you would think would be the natural kind of like anti post truth party. That's mm. been a key element of the centrist liberal moment yeah. since twenty sixteen, since Trump and Brexit and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. That they are the only ones who can be trusted not to have bias and mm-hmm. not to lie. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting facet that they have been the ones. I mean, the Tories have done it as well. Oh, they always do, though. But they always kind of do it. And they have, like, I, I don't know, maybe you expect it more of them. Yeah, the, the Tories can Although, out I mean, with that, I can, like, at um, this point, the spending, I the Labour spending thing is going to cost like a billion, quadrillion, trillion dollars, pounds. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, that's an obvious lie. But they always do that, every election. 
But like this one, it does it does seem weird. Like for how much fucking, how much they made out of that fucking bus. Yeah. And then they just keep on just, and they're still they're still doing it. Like and they some of the fucking smears that have been going on, some of the fucking accusations. Like um, Sam Kimar. Yeah. That abominable piece of shit. Blaming, what's it, Emma Dent Code? Emma Dent Code, yeah. Yeah, blaming her, a single opposition council member. Yeah. For Grenfell. Yeah. When he was literally in the fucking party. The he was in party. the cabinet. Yeah. He was in the actual cabinet. Yeah. and Of the Tory government you know, that presided well, over yeah. Grenfell. Yeah, they're, they're disgusting. Disgusting creatures. Yeah. I'm looking forward to them losing. <laughs> I, my main prediction so far is that the Lib Dems are going to be bad. <laughs> it is interesting that like I mean we know that Labour gets a harder time with the media and everything but I mean mm. even the Lib Dems have been being called out on a lot of these um, these particular lies and the, and the details really of it it's really easy journalism for them to do for once I think maybe they went in thinking that the media is is actually the thing that conservatives assume it of being yeah. and like a liberal bastion yeah. and like Joe Swinson you can see it on her face and and like Luciana Berger as well um, every time that they go on an inter- go on a program to be interviewed and they suffer the slightest opposition they get really put out yeah like she was um, Joe Swinson was being interviewed on I think it was the BBC about not being invited to the ITV leaders debate. She's the leader of the fourth largest party. And uh, she said... She should be. She said Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn were, would be sexist if they yeah. don't allow her in the leadership debates. Mm-hmm. And when she was asked whether Nicola Sturgeon should be invited as well, she said uh, she can't be PM. Yep. <laughs> the interviewer said, yeah, well, neither can you. <laughs> and she said, this interview is over. Amazing. <laughs> I saw her say that maybe they're both fret. Oh my god! So that's gonna think that's gonna break me finally. That's the thing. Like, if you see me like my picture on the news of man goes insane and blows up Parliament, <laughs> it'll be because of that. It'll be because of someone's like they'll just start getting into an Hugh argument. Forks. It'll be yeah. It'll be something along the lines of like I don't know the worst timeline stuff of Jeremy Corbyn's like the Conservatives win. Jeremy Corbyn's gone. Jess Phillips is prime minister is um the leader of the opposition, and it's just Boris Johnson and Jess Phillips staring at each other, both calling each other frit for two hours. And I snap. <laughs> she's the new Hillary Clinton, I'm telling you, Joe Swinson. She's doing the same stuff. She's going in with I think there's a kind of unearned assumption that she should be there because like it's happened a lot in politics recently, but there's been this drive to almost not to have like arguing against kind of party democracy mm-hmm. and democratic standards around yeah. selecting people for political office. There's been a lot of like appointment mm-hmm. stuff. And like I was trying to think of cuz like Joe Swinson's accused of being like oh she's like the SWAT head girl thing. And I think that maybe is is like an accurate kind of stereotype generalization thing. What she reminds me of. If you've ever worked in a like a, a, a workplace like a, a retail workplace or you know like service sector or something like that and there's a place that promotes from the shop floor mm-hmm. so you end up with like supervisors or managers who like they don't really have any skills or training mm-hmm. in management but they do know what authority sounds like yeah sounds like not yeah. what it actually is what it is actually is to like do that thing yeah. to supervise or manage or, or something like that really well but they know that it has something to do with shouting at people. Yeah. She gives off that vibe hugely. Mm-hmm. That there's not really a great amount of difference between her 
and the people who she's supposed to be organising to do this Lib Dem election effort. Yeah. But she knows how to sound like a kind of Blair. Yeah. She thinks she knows anyway. It's why she seems so out of she seems so out of time. Yeah. Out does. of place. Like it the stuff that she she kind of uh goes on about. Like there's a there was a, a profile of her on um Lib Dem Voice, which is one of the main like I don't know, independent Lib Dem websites. Okay. Um, talking about Joe Swinson, it said she combines humour, candour, and plain speaking to bring people in. She reaches well beyond the Liberal Democrat comfort zone of our party by connecting with people. Tories mainly. The way <laughs> the way she wrote about the birth of her son Gabriel for his first birthday in June was absolutely beautiful. Don't click on that if you are at all troubled by descriptions of childbirth. And during the summer, after Boris Johnson, the man who famously toured the country in a bus with a great big lie on the side, revealed that he liked to paint model buses, there was this. And there was like a Twitter picture of her playing with a bus. That's an example of her amazing sense of humour. It's like, no, you sound like... You sound like you know what humour sounds like and what it's supposed to recommend you to be a normal human being. But you have absolutely no idea how that has changed and what people are actually looking for. Mm -hmm. It's very odd. Um, so yeah like Joe Swinson's going around like people like Alistair Campbell kind of boosting her her remain credentials that's the thing that they've settled on as the main issue that's going to win them this election and I think we've said in in the past like Brexit is obviously a huge thing but it's what it's done is it's overlaid this other political terrain over the top of the stuff that always exists class politics class struggle the normal mm-hmm. politics of, uh, of uh, any, any any society, and what's interesting is how how much they've bought into this, but how much they absolutely are divorced from the ideal of actually putting forward a Remain campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, if I was a Remainer, I'd be fucking furious. Mm-hmm. You would be furious at the Lib Dems. Like, they're such unbelievable snakes that they have killed tactical voting dead for this election. Yeah. There will be, like, it is pointless tactical voting now mm-hmm. because they have completely poisoned that well. It's unbelievable. I think there's some people who are still going to do it. Um, I, there's a couple of things. Like, So they've got into a Remain Pact with Ply and mm. um, the Green Party, but the Green Party have not done that in Scotland with them. No. Um, if I was a paid-up member of the Green Party, yeah. I would not be a member of the Green Party anymore. There's a number of green uh, PPCs and members that have quit. Yeah, because why would I? Why would I be happy with my party standing aside for a for a party that's funded by frackers? Yeah, loves fracking and loves Tories. I joined the Green Party because they're to the left of Labour Party was then. Yeah, and that they're going to focus on the environment. Lib Dems don't. And if I was a member of Ply, it's like, oh yeah, I'll just join this party. I'll just help you know. Let's just help this party that genuinely are utterly disgusted with the notion of Welsh independence and call us traitors. That has a Scottish leader, a Scottish MP leader, who is firmly unionist. In (laughs) Scotland, which, you know, I don't think any Welsh nationalist would argue that Scotland are closer to independence than Wales are. Just politically, just further down the line. Nothing about the arguments or anything, just like they're further down the road. They've already had a referendum. And like, they've... (sighs) It folds in with something like we were talking about like last episode about the failure of Remain to link a coherent constituency of voters, of yeah. people, to an actual outcome. 
Because like to convince people to do remain, you have to tell them a cohesive and like like holistic story yeah. about why remain happened, the causes of it, the real nature of Britain. Yeah. And the Lib Dems are just doing the classic liberal thing of just like, oh no, there's like there's some good people. Yeah. Right? Us with no other descriptor yeah. than we're nice people. Not yeah. favour state intervention, yeah, favour yeah. free education, favour the free market, because they never say any of that I stuff. I saw um Femi's bullshit video today. He was referring to Brexiteers as the bad guys. Yeah. And he used a lot of big boy swear words. He was telling <laughs> Joe Swinton and Jeremy Corbyn to get around the table and stand aside. If the Labour Party stand aside for the Lib Dems in a single seat, I'm quitting the Labour Party. <laughs> They've killed it. And it's not Labour who killed it. Because despite the fact that they have a long-standing no-pacts thing, maybe, maybe it could have worked at some point. That's not going to happen. Mm. It's 100% not going to happen. And, like, I think, like... They've put themselves in this position, the Lib Dems, because they have never had to make that coherent narrative mm. for themselves as to why a majority of people should vote for them. Yeah. Every party has to do that. Conservatives do it by invoking nationalism. Mm. There's a kind of popular nationalism that they can tap um, or a very hard right kind of very elitist or like racialist mm nationalism that they can invoke labor they can invoke either you know uh working class nationalism that's a majority right there mm -hmm. or they can do a kind of sane sensible bringing the country together their own form of nationalism mm. in any case they are always pitching as to the reason that they have a majority even if yeah. they may not have that they have a majority yeah. out there who I'm should vote them, yeah. labor or vote conservative the Lib Dems, to my memory, have never, ever made that pitch. They're a very no. self-consciously, like, elite party. Mm -hmm. You know, they are based off the people who know what's right. Yeah. The Even when they go for a silent liberal majority, I think it's basically because, like, in Britain and in England, I don't think there's a kind of... There's a sense that there's not an ingrained... Lib, for whatever that means, an ingrained liberalism. Mm-hmm. That's tapping. That's like a restrained force waiting to get out. Like in England, when you talk about liberalism, you think about like economic liberalism in the yeah. Victorian era, or at most like nonconformism. Mm -hmm. You know, from the Liberal Party of, yeah. the, of the 19th century. You don't have now that thing of who is a natural Lib Dem voter, mm -hmm. and so it allows them because they have no promises to make to any particular constituency. They think that. On the one hand, they won't get any of it because liberals are such a beaten down mi minority among this horrible right-wing country. Yeah. But at the same time, they think, well, we could potentially get anybody. Yeah. So their their message is so always so diffuse and so like spread out and so non-specific that they can never get together any kind of electoral coalition when this kind of stuff comes around. Mm. And now they think that the purely ideas-driven opposition to Brexit mm. is what's going to see them over the line. Yeah, and they believe it, apparently. It's, um, I'm sure I read somewhere that Chucker is writing their manifesto, oh which, you know, Lord. is great. Because um, I did, I did like, you know, they, they're talking about the skills wallet thing, which, remember when the, the, that first got floated? It got floated like a couple of months ago, didn't it? And we talked about it then being yeah. bollocks, complete and utter fucking gibberish, and not actually being at all useful. And I think a lot of people did... Because surely any time anyone brings it up, it's like, so I get nine grand over the course of my entire life. Yeah. Surely that's not enough. Like, surely some people, someone must have said something to them. But then, like, a couple of months later, they're, like, announcing it proudly. It's like, you really are just half-arsing this. Yeah. Like, the only thing they've got is, 
well, we're going to cancel Brexit, which translates to, well, we're going to side with Boris Johnson's deal <laughs> when we form a coalition with him. Because in their minds, they're already in charge. I think, like, this, as much as anything as well, it's like a disease of a certain kind of hegemony, mm. right? I think it was, like, Phil Burton Cartledge who, who talked to... Who, like, he either coined the phrase or quoted the phrase that liberalism is... Um, liberalism is in power everywhere, but it's in charge nowhere. Mm-hmm. Liberal, basic liberal values of governance and of approaches to society, diversity and all that... Um, are fundamentally at a lot of levels of, of British society. How closely they're adhered to is obviously, like, you know, varies. But there's a lot of places where those kind of values are, like, in, in charge. And I think the Liberal Democrats view themselves as the, the only heirs to liberalism. Mm-hmm. And they think that, well, because all of these things are, are everywhere, because diversity initiatives are fundamentally a liberal thing based on kind of individual individual rights that somehow they own that Hmm. they do seem to think that they get they think they can get away with a lot more with pushing like there's some people like there's someone who's um stood down as a ppc now because of um a twitter user i think it was a couple of different twitter users but one of them um loki is on bbc essex tomorrow talking about the scalp oh yes Yeah, yeah um but how like if it was this, the the stuff that this bloke was saying that if he was a Labour guy there would have been like proper like it would have it would have transmitted that would be the news it would now. have transmitted to the soul of the Labour Party yeah, yeah. in a way that you can't yeah, say which the Lib Dems do. have a soul because yeah. like so he's like using the N word R word he's like incredibly racist I did yeah, see some it's like yeah. it was and just like all kinds of horribleness and he's like the head of their like diversity bit. Um, you know, they, it's like it's in the same way that um, they can accept people like that Bracknell Tory, who wanted to not allow people with HIV into the country. You know, oh, they can accept yeah. they can accept all these things, um, and you can even have Tim Farron as a homophobe, as the leader of the party, and them not be a homophobic party because yeah. they're in te- their their essence, their piss yellowness. Their 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 thing has always been like yeah again this like this competition between being a very kind of elite party. Mm-hmm. They focus on their um, their notables, their personalities, quite a lot. I would say probably equal to the other parties, which is not usually what a third party would do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming like in other countries that, certainly in the Greens, mm-hmm. like what are the Greens for? The Greens are for environmentalism. Who's in charge? Well, an environmentalist, yeah. right? The Lib Dems, you say, oh, who's in charge? It's this particular person with this particular stamp. You've got Charles Kennedy, who's roughly an actual social liberal, mm-hmm. uh, was actually, roughly an actual social liberal, and an anti-interventionist, like anti-Iraq yeah. war. That was the character he stamped on the party. Vince Cable, he's an economist, and he served in the coalition government. Mm-hmm. So, like, and his he's hands really were permanently soaked in the blood of people in South America. Yeah, he's really concerned with the or month, Africa, with I the. It was um, Nigeria okay, specifically. Towards a wrongly ascribed, his blood is on his hands. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he's concerned with like fiscal responsibility, which is even today. He wrote a, uh, an article, I think it was in the Mirror, about oh, we need to stop just giving away gifts like Santa and yeah. work out a proper spending plan. So, so that's like the the thing that he imposes on yeah. on the party. Joe Swinson comes in; she imposes a certain level of like 
nice competence, a managerial, not style, mm-hmm. but a managerial air. Mm-hmm. Like she's a new head of corporate relations that's yeah. going to come in and sort out the old regime. Yeah. Like, and is going to make everything right again because you assume you assume every, really all she does you assume everyone works in a fucking corporate organization that has that kind of. But really, all she does is do pizza Fridays and take away your pension. Yeah. And the pizza's terrible. And like, controversial take, right? Mm-hmm. Remain for all yeah. of its many, many sins, both cultural, political, social, whatever. Musical. Musical. Remain deserves so much better than the Lib Thames. It does. Like, there are actual EU citizens who have families that yeah. are being split up mm-hmm. by Brexit. There are people really, really scared that they're going to be deported because they have no idea what their yeah. um, mi- migration status is. Yeah. And then you've got these fucking snakes, yeah. these bleached arseholes, mm-hmm. coming in and basically triangulating the fuck into a hard Brexit. Yeah. And to stand there smiling about it and be so fucking smug mm-hmm. about how much they're achieving for themselves, yeah. for their own party as opposed to this like the remain the remain movement i mean fuck it like say we want about like gina miller and jolion morgan they went straight to court they're lo- yeah. they were lawyers they had a political objective in mind they went straight to court mm-hmm. and reined some stuff in like at least they got something done about that yeah, they, they rather than this kind of vague in no. out exclusion of who is a Brexiteer and who's not. You I think know? you'll find there was a, the, the Lib Dems have done a lot of name calling and they convinced a bunch of Tories to join the party. <laughs> and if that's not an achievement, I don't know what is. The one of the things that did make me like, I was furious. <laughs> I had to like stop and calm myself down for a bit when um, Joe Swinson was saying that she expects people to join the party straight after the election. Yeah, more MPs to join yeah. the party. Because yeah. we've talked about it before, like it's the per- like it's the perfect thing for a Lib Dem to choose their MPs, mm. like and not have to, to have them appoint them. Yeah, because they have nothing to offer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if that happens, that's going to be horrendous. They have seen so like they just. Could you imagine that though? Like the literally the day after. Yeah. The day after, say say that it happens again, and it's like kind of a, it's almost. Like, either party could pretty much form a government, or like a minority go- coalition government. But then a bunch of Labour people leave, join the Lib Dems, and then they join with the Tories, and then they just pass Boris's deal. <laughs> That's, I could see them do that. I could and s- I will have a stroke. I mean, at that point, you're talking about threatening, like, the basic, the only base control yeah. that people actually have over their politics. Oh, they don't care. I know they absolutely don't care, but the the point is that like, if they really were liberals, mm-hmm. like not that I don't think anyone should be under any illusions that they're actually as illiberal as fuck. Yeah. Um, given what they did in the austerity yeah. government, that their commitment. And it's all cheerleading for. They're, they're, they're the only ones cheerleading. Well, their 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 commitment to like a formal liberalism, like yeah. formal liberalism, is like rather than accepting society on how it is, mm-hmm. it's. And, and relieving kind of oppression and, and guaranteeing freedom or whatever yeah. based on how it actually goes. The liberal method is to enshrine like formal rights. Mm. So it's basically a legalistic thing. So you um, you pass a law that says like, if there's a zero hour contract, like you don't abolish it, 
you get a legal protection that every employee has to sign when they start a job as to whether they want to take zero hours contracts or not. Yeah. Now that is a legal recourse, but it completely ignores all of the other pressures that are on that worker to sign that like zero hours contract, yeah. right? And the Lib Dems, as the embodiers of this kind of formal liberalism, mm -hmm. they're the rule setters. So the rules around like uh, civility, democracy, freedom, justice, equality, all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Liberalism kind of sets itself outside that. It sets the rules. It sets the tone of the debate. It sets what's democratic or not, right? And so what it does in an ideological sense, it allows liberalism to remove itself from normal political, from class struggle, basically, yeah. from normal political struggles and say, well, we're here setting the rules. You can see it in the US. Every time there's a democratic um, presidency, a, a dominated Congress or whatever, mm. they have the chance to expand voter registration, yeah. change communication rules, break up big media monopolies. That would only benefit them. But they don't do it mm -hmm. because they're the guarantors of, you know, equal time for yeah. left and right. You know, um, conservatives have absolutely no problem with like breaking oh, the rules, no. but liberals have to maintain that self-image mm. that they are the ones setting the rules. And it's like I said, this kind of that kind of hegemony has completely rotted their brains. Like if you if you take liberalism's model of how Britain works as a democracy, there's like a bunch of interests that can be collectively brought into the public square and sorted out through um, debate and liberal mechanisms. And liberalism's supposed to be this like high-minded, ah, yes, the public square, you know, mm. style of debate and persuasion. Yeah. And they've basically, the Lib Dems, as the inheritors of the mantle, are just aping the right because they think in their heart of hearts that that's what it really is. Mm-hmm. That's what it really is. But then at the same time, they're claiming this like um, above the frayness yeah. with all of these things. That means they never have to get their hands dirty by promising anything to anyone, mm -hmm. by actually having to stick their necks out for anything in particular. They can just keep humming this same fucking tune year after year. Yeah, and like I think the only other policy the Lib Dems made was... So they say if they stop Brexit, there will be mm -hmm. a fifty billion pound Brexit dividend. Did they put it on the side of a bus. Uh, they haven't. They've put it into a thing. It's over five years, uh -huh. uh, and it's based on continued GDP growth, which is not which is not guaranteed. No, there's probably going to be a recession. I mean, how long was this since the last recession? Like ten years? Yeah, no, it's going to be a referendum every like twelve years. We literally years. just not had one now. Hmm. With like it was like it's like oh look, not recession because we grew by point three percent. But don't worry, we've got a training scheme where we're going to put £3,000. Also, right, that whole, that whole model of like training, that's yeah. another thing that we talked about last week. Yeah. The how they, every one of their schemes is about, it may recognise a problem, but it's about training people to not be that problem. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, we're committed to education. You know, why are you committed to education? Is it to make sure workers can continue to find other jobs, to help them personally and grow as people? And it's like, no, so we haven't got the bad figures. Yeah. So we haven't got bad unemployment figures. Yeah. Like, that's literally it, changing the electorate mm. to something that... Because I'm sure if you pressed them, they would say Brexit was caused by low IQ. Oh god, yeah, they. And this no, is their seen, this them, is their way of we've remedying. Seen, we've seen them say that, like um, yeah. even what's her name, Leila Moran, who's like one of the better ones, was saying that. Yeah. 
I say that for gritted teeth. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't be even so bothered about like the Lib Dems' conception of themselves because I'm sure like they're hypocrites as much as mm-hmm. you know their hypocrisy doesn't. It bothers me, but I don't think it like has a huge bearing on how I think about things. If they didn't insist on going around calling everybody who isn't them an anti-liberal, yeah, like they have painted Corbyn as like the next dictator. Oh yeah, one hundred. Like it's fucking insane. Have they come out? Um, have they come out in favour of the fascists chasing Morales <clears throat> out of um, Bolivia? Well, yet? that's a, that's an interesting thing. I don't think any of them have, but it's it's bang on brand. Yeah. I mean, these are the same people who managed to look at Corbyn getting a large crowd and say, this is the road to fascism. Yeah. Or like, um, but they can see like some six foot Bolivian paratrooper dressed in black with a totem cop on his chest, holding a gun yeah. in a parliamentary square and say, ah, yes, this was democracy. Well, yeah, they can see generals announcing new elections sometime in an indeterminate future. <laughs> yeah, they're... they're oh, oh. And, you know, there are definitely more horrors from the Lib Dems on the horizon Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the question is, what it, what will it be? Like, big military intervention push? Further demonise the poor, you could. Uh, I mean, let's just have a look at Did Joe you... Swinson's uh, recent statements. Let me just take okay. a sip of water right here. Uh, Joe Swinson said, I don't fancy the idea of Jeremy Corbyn as Prime Minister. The first act of which a PM has to do is to write instructions to commanders in our submarine fleet. Oh, right, nukes again. Yeah. Great, great, no, brilliant. Did you see that on her on TV? They, like, they'd obviously demanded that this question be asked, just so she could say... Yes. <laughs> and everyone knows that the letter she's going to write is just kill all squirrels. <laughs> Solidarity with all of the women in colour in Congress who have been uh, told to go home by uh, President Trump. However, by God, I will blow them and their families <laughs> off the face of the earth if, in fact, he doesn't even have to ask me. He just has to, that has to be the general direction <laughs> of Western foreign policy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking gross. Yeah, it's, it feels weird because like, taking two weeks off, especially now, um, leaves you completely bewildered as to where you are. At least, I think people are documenting things more closely because these are claims made in an election and so they kind of matter in some way that relates to, relates to reality for yeah. once. Um, but like, I've been thinking about a lot about the Lib Dems' kind of untruthiness and how how much that is in opposition to the kind of general liberal poise over the last few years. And, like, thinking about how this kind of environment where we, like, forget... We forget... We basically, for the last three years, we've forgotten things a fortnight at a time. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm looking at... Like, just looking for our 2019 awards episodes Mm -hmm. that we're probably going to do at the end of the year. And, like, remembering things that I wrote down in, like, February, like, they're a million years ago, that we just forget things every two or three weeks at a time. And this is definitely something that, like the Lib Dems seem to be relying upon. Yeah. They're forgetting about what they did in austerity. The same people. It's mm. not even it's not even been a long enough time no. for them to have like Joe Swinson was in that cabinet. Yeah. She actively helped and voted for those decisions. She coined the phrase deficit tonight. Yeah. Which we're supposed to just kind of forget and reset. And I think the Lib Dems probably benefit from that eternal sunshine of the smooth mind like <laughs> a lot more than uh, Labour, who will never be allowed to forget anything yeah. before 1917. Yep. Um, and the Conservatives, who obviously have the kind of Thatcherite baggage with them anyway, mm-hmm. you know, which they shouldn't be allowed to forget. But like, and thinking of it in terms of like the way British society is structured, like I think it was like it was Stuart Hall who talked about, um, he talked about collective amnesia around the empire mm-hmm. and how that kind of 
it was a way of the post-imperial Britain of cut, like cutting out people of colour and diverse viewpoints in favour of like a, an entirely white English national story. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote like, uh, he, there's a quote I, I noted down, like he wrote, their histories and their long historical entanglements with Britain disappeared from daily consciousness. Who are these people? Where are they from? What language do they speak? And above all, what on earth are they doing here? Post-war racism in Britain begins with profound forgetfulness. The history of empire really does seem to have fallen out of mind. It is judged impolite and faintly anachronistic even to mention it. And like that definitely feels about a lot of the, especially the centrist stuff when they're objecting to something a left-winger has been has said. You see it with the Bolivia CIA stuff. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't, I don't even have a dog. Like, well, I do have a dog in the fight about whether it is the CIA or not, obviously, mm-hmm. or whether there's a coup. But treating the idea that, for instance, the CIA may have helped to engineer a coup against a leftist indigenous leader in Bolivia is regarded as anachronistic, and that mm. is the main sin against it. Yeah. Now, that was an attitude brought in by Blair, who mm. used kind of oldness and frumpiness as like a main way of attacking the Tories, like mm. the, the Tories under Major. But it's definitely become like a centrist thing now that it's almost embarrassing or anachronistic to like... Um, ask questions about what the Lib Dems did in yeah. government. I mean, don't worry, they are making all their own mistakes that have are within the acceptable window of memory yeah. of the last two weeks. But considering their trajectory and mm. the fact that they haven't apologised for any of it and the fact that they've completely abandoned liberalism yeah. <laughs> to a large extent... It's very weird. And like, again, like another political theorist who talks about amnesia and forgetting, um, Mark Fisher. Yeah. A lot of his works on like memory and anchoring yourself in, how to anchor yourself in capitalist modernity, losing memory, just keeping fragments of it alive in in your brain. Um, And I feel, yeah, I feel like that's what we've been kind of picking up and putting down for the last three years, just getting these, these, Mm. these, these scraps. And I think the Lib Dems are hoping that they can just nestle in one of these memory holes, in one of these blank restarts, just long enough with like a, I don't know, a 40 MP or 60 MP count that they can exist in this in this void. They certainly, everyone talks about the void of the centre party, that Mm. there's a void at the centre of British politics. Well, you were there, the Lib Dems. You're not anymore. You know, a vote for the Lib Dems is a vote for maintaining that void yeah. because we know where they are. Yeah. And they just prove it every day. Uh, okay, that's it for this week. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us at WDTATW pod- underscore podcast. Follow me at BM Bergamo. Follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. I love my country. Fighting am the least about the fighting game When Mr. Hoover said to cut my dick